Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the Word. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. My heart, it beat for you. Precious Jesus, I'm deep in love with you, Lord. Somebody just raise your hands in the air and worship God. Just worship God. Who is like you, Lord? In all the earth, much less love and beauty in this world. Nothing in this world can satisfy. Cause Jesus saw the cup, the one went dry. Your presence is heaven to me. Your presence is heaven to me. Your presence 
Tell him your presence is heaven to me.
Jesus. Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. I'm going to read a very famous scripture. Famous or many of you have an acquaintance to it. You have probably read it. You know it. You think you understand it. But tonight I want to take another direction of this same scripture that we read every day or constantly in, in different avenues. And that's the beauty of the light of the gospel. He says, for in thine light we shall see the light. That's the beauty of the gospel. You can't run out. <laughs> Revelation can't run out. One scripture can speak a thousand revelations. One verse can minister a thousand revelations. Praise the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Tonight I want to share something very intricate, right? Very, 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 very sensitive. If you understand it, 
and you will understand it. It's going to change the course of how you relate with God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 10 and verse 1. He says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them the record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ, the Bible says, is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that what? That believeth. He says, for Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth these things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart, who shall ascend into heaven? That is to bring Christ down from above. Or who shall descend into the deep? That is to bring up Christ again from the dead. And he says, but what saith it? He says, the word is nigh thee. Even in thine mouth and in thine heart, that is the word of faith which we preach. Praise the Lord Jesus. That is the word of faith we preach. I want to talk about the word of faith. Praise the Lord. And the next verse says, That if thou shalt confess with thine mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart a man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Did you hear that? With the heart a man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all the rich, and to all that call upon his... Sorry. For the same Lord over all is rich, and to all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For then shall they call on him whom they have not believed. And how shall they believe on him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Oh, it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all, the Bible said, obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah saith, who hath believed our report? So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. He says, but I say, have you not heard? Yes, verily, their sound went out into all the earth, and their words unto the ends of the world. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says in verse 20, But Isaiah is very bold, and saith, I was found by them that sought me not. I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. And the Bible says, but Israel, he saith, all day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Somebody say, Amen. amen. Say, Amen again. Amen. Tonight I want to tackle something very, very common among Christians. And the very reason I believe why many of you have failed to enjoy the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. But the freedom that you have is not to drive a nice car and build a nice house. Those are just the other things besides the most important. The freedom that we have in God is to serve. The freedom that we have in God is to relate. The freedom that we have with God is to fellowship with him. Hallelujah. Is to have a complete and total access in the things of the spirit without any hindrance. Somebody say amen. The place where somebody does not pray and then they are worried whether God will hear them or not hear them. Or sometimes they are praying and they are speaking to God who looks like or seems like he's not hearing them. Some even I have seen with my own heart, eyes, sorry, in this life of the gospel. There are people who look like God is not interested in hearing them. 
And what we've done is we have put Vaseline on children which have not had a bath. Just to present them presentable. You understand? We've preached things that are not even of God. They don't even have the foundation of truth. They don't even have any bearing whatsoever in the mind of God. We've preached these things constantly and consistently to cover the wounds that are bleeding. And the scars are just a cut every morning by the indifference that men carry in the things of God. And people's situations and lives are worsening from one worsening to another place of, of heart. From one uh, place of disappointment to another place of disappointment. From one place of agitation to another place of agitation from one place of failure into another place of failure from one place of frustration into another place of frustration from one place of stress into another place of stress from one place of depression de distress all of these things affliction and oppression you can mention they are coming out of one thing and worsening into another every other day and they are calling on a god who didn't hear them and some of them have created uh, certain atmospheres According to how they think God relates with men. Because certain people used those lines at a particular point when God uh, met them. They think that because God met a certain man through a burning bush. God has to appear to them through a burning bush. They think that because God appeared by a fire to a certain man. They think God has to appear to them by a fire. And with Elijah, fire comes and he's not in there. Wind comes and he's not in there. And God wants to tell you. He wants to reveal himself to you uniquely. Are you hearing me? Some people think that the more they go to the prayer mountains is the more they'll see God. And you've gone to prayer mountains. They even know your name. You understand? And I'm not saying that I have a problem with prayer mountains. I'm not saying that I have a problem with the separation. That deliberate seclusion of an individual to be with God. It's important to have solitude. But in revelation and understanding... Many people relate with God in an emotional sense. They understand God emotionally. The more things appeal to their emotions, the more they relate with God. The more things make sense emotionally, the more they relate with God. They think that when they go to the prayer mountain, then they start crying, God will come and say, okay, don't worry, keep quiet. Let me help you. No. I always tell people, God is not emotional. He is revelational. He didn't say you'll cry and I'll come. He says you shall know the truth. And the truth shall make you free. The day I finally had the understanding, not just the appreciation, but the understanding that people perish because of a lack of knowledge. I knew that every price that is to be paid by every child of, of God is to pursue knowledge. Every situation that you're going through right now is a knowledge issue. Okay, yes, they're bewitching you, but the witchcraft is not the problem. The problem is a knowledge issue. Because there are other people who are bewitched too, but they don't get... The problems that you have. There are people who have gone through even worse than you have and they've come out. You're not an exception. You get my point? There is nothing under the sun that is testing you that has not tested any man. The Bible says no temptation that has befallen us is uncommon. For all temptation that is befalling and trial on us is common to all men. You might think that you have the biggest problem in the world until you meet a man who even went through your issue, got a t-shirt and a cape, even came back with a trophy. Am I communicating? Some of you sit in your corners and you think you're the person with the hugest number of problems and you have not seen nothing yet. There are people who have seen worse. There is nothing you're going through right now and nobody has not gone through. Everybody here, there is no uniqueness of problem. 
Everything you think is a problem, somebody has gone through it, even worse. Don't be deceived that you have gone through this alone, or that there is an exception and uniqueness to the problem that you have. No problem you're going through is unique. Everybody has gone through something. And somebody out there on the face of this earth has gone through what you are going through and has overcome. And there is another person who went through the same issue and they were destroyed in that issue. They failed in that issue. Praise the Lord Jesus. They failed. It consumed them. 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 Praise the Lord Jesus. So, it begins with you understanding how God works. Praise the Lord Jesus. So now, various doctrines have been um, introduced in the church. Things that are not biblically true. Because they are reasonably right. They are logically applicable. But they are far from the revelation of God and how he works with people. And some of you are doing those things. And as you continue to do those things, you're worsening. That's why I always tell people, if you do something and you worsen, first understand and ask God. <laughs> Maybe I'm doing it the wrong way. Because if I'm doing it the right way, why is it worsening? Things are supposed to change if you do the right thing. And some of you now have also invented ideas of, you know what? God intended that this happens. And sometimes, honestly, God is not in that business. You're dealing with an indifferent spirit. You're dealing with an ignorant soul. And you're being afflicted because of that. The Bible says before... I was afflicted. What happened? I went astray. Many of the afflictions I've seen in the body of Christ, they come because of how people go astray. I'm not saying things will not come. I'm only saying God has promised that you'll come out of everything. And you can choose to come out without a scratch or to come out injured. It's your choice. Hallelujah. And then we realize that even though all of these things are happening to us as believers, what is killing us most is our fellowship with the Holy Spirit, with God, and how we relate with him. I touched some last Thursday. Today I want to touch some very important. To make you understand, to make you understand some very important. Praise the Lord. When you read the Old Testament, you realize that when God was telling Moses to build the temple. Hmm? And they describe a place called the Holy of Holies. And that is where figuratively or supposedly God dwelt in the highest level of anointing and glory. You remember? And what was the rule? The rule was that only the priests were to enter into the Holy of Holies. And it was from a particular tribe, which was the Levites. If you were not a Levite, you could not access God a certain way. There were three kinds of anointings in the Old Testament. If some of you have read the Bible. There was a kingly anointing. There was a prophetic anointing. And there was a what? A priestly. 
But almost the highest level of glory and presence then dwelt with the priestly. You get my point? Because they dwelt in the presence of God. Is that what the Bible say? Now, somehow I asked God a question. There are people who never went to the Holy of Holies, but accessed God. Moses, the guy who brings that whole idea and concept of building the temple according to the pattern revealed to him by God. The very Moses, you and I know, did not meet God in the Holy of Holies. He had an experience besides the Holy of Holies. Moses saw God without a temple. Abraham saw God without a temple. David saw God without necessarily being a Levite. So yes, back in those days, it was before, of course, there was a time, this whole idea of temple was not there. But when the time of the temple came, it was almost as though everybody surrounded themselves around the whole idea that the high priest, which had access to the Holy of Holies, was the only person worthy to go there. And indeed, the Lord had spoken that the high priest was the only person who was worthy to enter into the Holy of Holies. But, I must also tell you that we see men in the Old Testament which experienced God without being priests. So I say, there is another way. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. There is another what? Another way. And that was the way of grace. Grace existed from the foundation of the world. If I ask you the question, look at your grandfather Abraham, for example. Abraham, the Bible says he was a sun god. You remember? And he was worshipping the sun. He had not done anything good. The Lord comes to him. He's facing the sun. And he just stops and tells him, dude, eh? get up. Eh? Let's, let's go. I want to show you. Uh, leave your father, your family, your kin and folk. Let me take you to a place that I will show you. There I will bless you. We don't see God first putting Abraham in the corner and telling him, by the way, first denounce the son, God, you're actually unholy to approach me. No, the interest of God pertaining the life of Abraham was more important than anything Abraham was doing at that particular point. Who sought the other? God sought Abraham. You understand what I'm saying? And because some people don't understand this principle, some have invented ideas of how they think they can catch God. Some call themselves God chasers. Eh? I'm chasing after you. I'm chasing after you. I'm chasing after God. I'm chasing after God. I'm chasing after God. Every time they're chasing after God, their understanding of seeking God is chasing after him. Can you think for a moment that if you're chasing after, it means he's running away? No, think about it. Who even told you that? How can you chase one who is close? How can you chase one who is not running away from you? You're chasing one who is running away from you. And now as your definition of the God you're chasing is running from you and you're chasing after him. That is how many seek God. And because of that, we've initiated ideas of the things we have to do to get God's attention. That knowledge is not of God. That is legal. 
and it kills. Have you been around people who fast a lot? Pray a lot? Do everything to the extreme and nothing on their lives has changed. Do I have a witness? And then there are people who don't seem to pray too much. Seem. They don't seem to fast too much. You even have a problem because you have fasted for 70 days to get one job that a certain guy just entered into. And then you have a problem. And then you think, ah, I think may I have a generational curse that is worse than the guy's generational. And then you think, I think this one, eh? they were born without generation. But for us, when you come in our family, we have every kind of demon spirit. And then you say, I think I'm going to seek a certain place of deliverance. You go and pray and fast and do everything you know in the world to do. Until you wake up and you have bordered past service and worship into witchcraft. Do you know Christians these days, eh? when they come to the church of Jesus Christ, they come like they're coming to a witch doctor. What is the Lord saying? What is the Lord saying? What is the Lord saying? What, somebody sent me a message. I told me, what is the Lord saying? I kept quiet. What is the Lord saying? I kept quiet. What is the Lord saying? I kept quiet. He says, what is the Lord saying? I said, I'm not a diviner. I'm a man of God. There's a difference. You get my point? It's not what you want to know at the point when you want to know it. It's the purpose of knowing. Do you understand what I'm saying? The primary ministry of the Holy Spirit is not to deliver you. The primary ministry of the Holy Spirit is to teach you. He says when the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, who the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. And the Bible says, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto thee. And when you know the things that are taught unto you, the Bible says you're free. But you refuse the order. You say, no, I don't want to be taught. Let's skip to the place where you're delivering that's the same thing with a witch doctor. Because you go and pay and say, you know what? I want my um, co-wife dead. Don't take me through processes and procedures. Don't count me numbers and cross T's. Don't dot I's. I'm not interested. Just take me to the point where she dies. And then I come out knowing that she's a dead woman. You get my point. And every day it becomes more painful and more painful. You have gone to every man of God. You have gone to every place of prayer. You have walked up and about. And nothing is changing. If anything, you're worsening. And you still don't get it. He gave you the teacher. He gave you the teacher. He knew every problem you have. There is an answer. And that answer is somewhere here. And that teacher is not someone you seek. No, he dwells in you. He doesn't want you to go out chasing him, no. He wants you to fellowship with him because he's available to you. He said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. A woman can forget her own child, but I will never leave you, nor forsake you. I am your ever-present help in time of need. I am that friend that sticks closer than a brother. But you're chasing after me. I don't know if I'm making sense. Now, when Paul looks at Israel, he realizes 
they have a zeal, but are not according to knowledge. And realizes even though they think that they worship Almighty God, they are not saved. So he says, my heart prays that Israel might be saved. For I bear them a witness that they have a what? A zeal, but not according to knowledge. He's saying, it doesn't matter whatever you do in this world. You have to get to a point where you know exactly how to fix whatever you're going through. I thank God for so long and many years I have learned this one thing. That every time something troubles me, I seek the word and what he says. Any outer voice of a man of God, of a prophet, apostle, evangelist, teacher. All of that is just a confirmation of what is already affirmed in my spirit. I am my primary individual with God. Because he told me how. I can have a zeal, but not according to what? To knowledge. Not according to knowledge. Now, if you go back to what I was reading, hmm? the Bible says in 16, they have not all obeyed the gospel. They refuse to obey the gospel. The, the gospel, some people think the gospel is the testimony of the New Testament. No, sir. The gospel existed before the New Testament. That's what the Bible says. And the scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles through faith. He says he went and preached this gospel to Abraham. He preached the gospel to Abraham. Some of you think the beginning of the gospel was the death and resurrection of Jesus. No. Even before that, the gospel was preached of grace. It has existed simultaneously alongside the law. But certain men in the scriptures would see grace and say, ah, this is it. That is why when Moses is writing Deuteronomy, the righteousness of faith speaks this wise. This was Moses' revelation. Paul is reading Deuteronomy and then he starts to realize, ah, 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 ah. Moses met this thing. Moses saw it. He says, but the righteousness which is of faith speaks on this wise. He quotes exactly Deuteronomy. He's trying to say Moses saw it. He was reading Deuteronomy chapter 30. And then he says, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. It's not about who goes to heaven to bring Jesus. It's not about who goes under to get him out. No, he's near. <laughs> Woo! He's what? He's near you. And he says, this is the righteousness of faith. When men understand this, they will know it's not about how many times you go to heaven to pick Christ. Or how many days you're fasting to go underground to get him out from the dead. He's nicey. He's in your mouth. He's there, right there. And Paul says, these are the things that we preach. The word of faith. That is the word of faith which we preach. We are not preaching of a God you're going to find in heaven. We are, I see people who say, ah, me, I, I went to heaven and I saw God. Hey, some of us is inside here. <laughs> in, in him I live, move, and have my own being. I don't need to go up there to get him. No, he's inside here. This is the mystery that was hid from the ages, Pastor, now revealed. Christ in me. Have I had heavenly visitation? Yes. Am I against heavenly visitations? No. But I don't go to heaven to seek God. I don't have heavenly visitations to seek God. I only could have them 
I've had a couple of them. I've had a couple of them where I've been carried. And I saw things that, you know. But I have never had an experience where I'm going up there because I want to go and, and seek him there. I'm not going to heaven to look for him. No. I'm taken to heaven because I have him. <laughs> Somebody say, I'm carried by the spirit. Because I have him. I have Jesus. I have the Lord inside me. He's in my spirit. That is why you'll walk in the spirit. That's why you'll go in the heavenlies. That's why you'll hear angelics. That's why you'll see things in the spirit. Why? Not because you're seeking God, but because he is with you. So am I against fasting? Am I against prayer? No, I'm not against prayer. I'm against the indifference of these things where men don't even understand what they're doing. Let me give you an example. What boldness has Paul to say that I speak in tongues more than you all? Did he go checking every man to the degree of how much tongues they speak? Let me say, let me hear you. Uh, you speak also. They say, ah, I don't know, I think for you I'm a bit, mm, yeah, you're coming though, but yeah, you're coming. When, when, when he says, I thank God that I speak with tongues more than you all, let me share something, and I pray the mature get it. There are places in God where it's a small thing to be qualified to judge certain matters. Not against your individual thought. But against the results of eternal purpose. On a man's soul. Paul didn't say he speaks in tongues more than them all because he had everyone speaking. Paul spoke that he, he said he spoke in tongues more than they all because there were things he accessed. And he knew that a man can't get here without speaking a certain way. And he's related with people. And he knows their place and state spiritually. He knows that I want to speak to you even as I'm too mature. But now you're still babes, even as unable to protect milk. Because in you, there are envies, there are strifes and divisions. Are ye not yet can and walk as men? I know where you are. I said, how do you know? Are all of us envious? Are all of us striving? Are all of us in division? No, he's not speaking from the level of what you think is. The judgments of God. You remember when, when the church in Corinth had an issue. And Paul asks them, did you fail to get anyone among you which is wise to judge these matters. There is a wisdom that qualifies men to judge certain things. The man speaking was given the grace to lay the foundation of the gospel. And anybody which was coming in that time could only build upon. You were not talking of a tongue that Paul didn't know. Because he laid the foundation. You get my point? Of this gospel. In that dispensation of the New Testament. Have you understood it? Okay, let me give it a bit more. Let me elucidate it a bit deeper. There are, there are voices in the spirit. Huh? And there are sounds in the spirit. 
You get it? Not all voices sound to God. Am I making sense? Some voices don't sound to God. The spirit realm responds to sound, not voice. Am I making sense? Jesus comes at the tomb of Lazarus, and the Bible says, and he groaned. And after groaning, he said, Father, I thank you, because you always hear me when I pray. And he opened this thing, and the man came out. Now, not this, not this. He sighed. Some versions say he sighed. He groaned. You know that? If you were around Jesus, you'd have heard him say something like, oh. But in that voice, there was a sound that was communicated in heaven and had to put life into the dead body of Lazarus. That was a sound. If you read Acts chapter 2 from that verse 1, huh? the Bible says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And the Bible says, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven. A sound from heaven. And the Bible says it was like a rushing of a mighty wing. And it filled all that were in the house and all that were sitting there. It came as a sound. The Bible says that who has known the mind of Christ as you instruct him? No, even deeper than that. The Bible speaks of the Holy Ghost and how he searches the deep things of, of God, right? The Amplified says he sounds out the bottomless things of God. He doesn't say he voices. No, he says, yet to us God has unveiled and revealed them by through the Holy Spirit. For the Holy Spirit searches diligently, exploring and examining everything, even sounding the profound and bottomless things of God. When you start walking in the Spirit, you differentiate voices and sounds. And I believe every time Paul was speaking in tongues, he could hear the sounds of men praying and the voices too. That is what qualifies him to tell you, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all because my sound is above many sounds. And there are among you which only voice out. Vain bubblings. And you're saying, I am speaking in tongues. How come you're not edified? How come you're not edified? The Bible says, he that speaketh in tongues speaketh mysteries unto God. And the Bible says, and he edifieth himself. Paul looked at his place of edification and he could judge himself against the men of his time and how edified they were. And he knew he was of a higher edification. It was not a boastful spirit, no. It was a place to help certain people to put them where they're supposed to be. Because we have people in the scriptures which exalt themselves beyond the measure and they frustrate the rule by which the Bible says we reach many. They frustrate the rule by which we reach many. There is a rule. He says, for we stretch not ourselves beyond our measure, as though we reached not unto you. For we are come as far as to you also in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, not boasting of things without our measure, that is of other men's labors, but having hope when your faith is increased, that we should also be enlarged by you according to our rule abundantly. There are rules in the spirit of how we reach men. Some young people, people, they, they are doing meetings. They, don't be deceived that when people reach many people, that means that, of course it's true. It's not that when, when you have numbers, therefore you're reaching many people. But it's also not wrong that. One man of God said, 
If you want people to leave your church, speak the truth. If you want people to, to stay in the church, lie to them. So all of those people who have big meetings, they are lying to people. Some could be, but not everyone. Otherwise, you'd be saying Jesus was a liar, chief liar. How can men walk with you when they don't even have anything to eat? And they even forget the necessary food. They have children with them walking with this guy. And somebody didn't get it. Somebody didn't get it. Switch it in a business aspect. Some of you know more business means you're a wonderful Christian. The day you become so rich, they'll say, ah, carrot, <laughs> pineapple, watermelon. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, Ninde. I must happen in the name of Jesus. Whether the devil wants it or not, he said, I am the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. He said, the path of the just shines bright and bright unto a perfect day. I would have fainted if I had not believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Some of us are alive because we have to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And we are not sorry. Tell somebody I'm not sorry for my success. I was called for this life. The devil is not going to stop you. The witchcraft of your grandmother is not going to stop you. Generational curses will not stop you. He says greater is he which is in you than he that is in the world. I don't care what you've gone through. I don't care what they have said about you. I don't care what is even happening in your life. I am fully persuaded that he is the author and the finisher of your faith. He did indeed begin a good work in you. He shall see it to accomplishment to the day of Christ. And it's even beautiful when they prophesy your downfall. Because after that, you don't need to testify much. Every moment you are alive is a testimony. <laughs> uh, I will make it. Tell your neighbor, I will make it. 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 I don't know how or where. I don't know who I'll go through and which the Lord shall use. I am just persuaded that I will make it. Don't be deceived by the temporal circumstances. They cannot be compared to the weight of glory that is going to be revealed upon my life. Because I don't look at those things. Are you hearing me? I don't look at my shoe and I say, oh God. No, I don't. Because I have believed this message. I have believed it from my spirit. I have believed it. Do I have a witness? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So when Paul says, I speak in more tongues than you all. He could hear men sounding. And men which voice. And his sound was louder. It's like the first time I had an experience when I was at university. One time I entered the room and people are worshipping. But I don't hear people singing. So I said, in my head I'm like, am I getting deaf? There was a time I was in a room and I could only hear three people singing. And the three I was hearing were not loud. 
What's happening to me? Until the Lord said to show me that difference between voices and sounds. And indeed, there were many voices that were so loud, but very few men were sounding in the spirit. Praise the Lord Jesus. You were called with a distinctive sound. He says, even the things without life. He says, giving sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in sounds. How shall we be known what is piped or harped? Even the things that are without life have a sound in the spirit. And you have yours as well. In your worship, in your prayer, in your preaching, in everything you do. There's a way you communicate to the atmosphere. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now, there's something I needed to show you. The Bible says, in verse 20, Isaiah tells them, I was found by those that sought me not. And I was made manifest unto them that asked not after me. But to Israel, he says, all day long, he still stretched his hand. Praise the Lord. He says, he has stretched forth his hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. Because every time he's reaching out to them, praise the Lord Jesus, every time he tries to reach out to them, they have a very twisted understanding of how to receive him. They go into works. They go into efforts. And when they see us also praying and worshiping and fasting, they also think that because we are fasting and they are fasting, we are on the same altar. No, the altars are different. And you can worship and pray all year long and not see anything in your life. And another man does the same thing, even a quarter of what you're doing, and they already have results. Why? Because they are doing it in the knowledge of the revelation of Christ. There's a man right now who says, for example, his marriage fails. And then he goes on a prayer mountain for one week or one month. Some come back and their marriages are restored. And they develop a doctrine that they had to go to the mountain for their marriage to be restored. What happened was they beat their flesh at that mountain. And when they beat their flesh, the spirit was elevated to a place where it could receive knowledge. The problem was not the curse. It wasn't the demon. It was the elevation of spirit. In going through the mountain, they were beating their flesh to subjection. But when you learn how, you realize that you can reach a level in God where you don't need to go to a mountain to see God deliver your marriage. Have you actually read the scripture and realized that the only... This is eternal life. That you might go to prayer mountain and seek God for your husband. This is eternal life. That you might go and seek God for your job. He said this is eternal life. That you might know the one true God. And his only son Jesus. Imagine your husband leaves tomorrow morning. And then you drive to prayer mountain. And don't tell God anything. And just open the Bible to know him. The 
Bible says, the light afflictions, which are but for a moment, work for us a far exceeding eternal, eternal, eternal weight of glory. Next verse. While we look not at the guy who left. Hallelujah. While we look not at the things which are seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. And the things which are not seen are eternal. God is saying, can you wake up one day and you're going through all these problems and you can still open that Bible just to know him. Oh, the only attention he has with you is when you have problems. And then you realize your life all through, you only respond to God when you have problems. When your problems are done. Until the next time problems come through. Even as a man of God, I have witnessed people like that. A guy comes and says, man of God, I even want to serve God. I feel like there's nothing I ever want to do. My life, I've given it all over. Then they kneel down and weep. Then they do things, you understand? And then God comes out and blesses them. Then they scatter. Then it hits them. Bah! Then they come back. Hey, man of God. What's up, man? In my head, I'm like, okay, now what has happened? Oh, hey, how are you? You're so lost. Yeah, yeah, you know, I've been busy. Yeah, but I need to see you. And you sit down. You know, I have this problem. Eh? My deal just failed. Eh? I think there's a spirit. There's a demon spirit. Why are we even talking about a demon spirit? Why are we even talking about a demon spirit here? Then we pray and pray and pray. And then God comes through. And after God comes through. You get my point? Then something hits them again. Hey, hey, hey mommy. <laughs> you should not live your life that way. If you decided to seek God, seek him. If you decided to serve God, serve him. If you decided to pray, pray. If you made a commitment before God and told him I'll be in your presence, be there. Whether things are not working or they are working. Until you get to a point where you're not somebody who is triggered by advantage or disadvantage. Whether advantage or disadvantage, you are in the presence of God. Whether it's working for you or it's not working for you. Constant, you are in the presence of God. That is called stability of spirit. A man cannot learn without stability. Praise the Lord Jesus. A man cannot learn without stability. If you learn without stability, it looks so funny when you're a learned unstable fella because you will appear to know things that can't work for you. I've been around people who seem like they know things but they cannot work for them. Someone starts to preach and you're like, I wish you don't even talk. You get my point? Far from us in the name of Jesus. That reproach be far from you in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Same thing in Romans 11 now, the chapter 11. He says in verses 5, he says, even so at the present time also, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. When the Bible says at the present time, it means even in the olden times, 
there was a remnant according to the election of grace. There are people who accessed God by grace. It wasn't works. Even now, presently in this time, there is also a remnant that is according to the election of grace. And the next verse says, and if by grace, listen, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then is it no more grace? He says, otherwise, work is no more work. Oh, you didn't get it, did you? Give the message of that to simplify it for some of you. He says, they are holding on not because of what they think they are going to get out of it. But because they've been convinced of God's grace and purpose in choosing them. If they were only thinking of their immediate self-interest to get a man, a car, a job, a DVD player, and a mobile phone, they would have left long ago. We are not seeking God because everything is working fine. We are not seeking God because we want to have a job. If you're here and you're seeking God because you want to have then you've not understood the spirit of grace yet. Grace gave you everything. So why would you be seeking what you already have? He says you've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. He says you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. If grace has revealed to me that I have all things, I'm not in the presence to get things. I'm in the presence to receive from him knowledge. To know him, the one true God and his only son, Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. Every time the law is preached, men are pointed in their need. And every time they are pointed in their need, they distance themselves from Christ and then get indulged in the basic things that surround them. You get my point? But every time grace is preached, grace wants to tell you, you have everything you need. You're not coming to the presence of God to receive a new car or a new house. All of those things and more you have been given. Paul says we are persuaded of the things that accompany our salvation. It's a persuasion issue. We are not praying and believing God. Let me tell you. I am sure you have made it already. When I say you will make it, I only speak for those ones who will understand that kind of language. But to the mature... I'll give you an example. Someone comes and tells you, I have a problem. Then you ask them, why do you say you have a problem? Because it is there. So why are you confessing it? Because it is the reality. You see how people think? And then you want to tell them, no. Even what you think is real is not real. Your reality is Christ. Even what you think is a problem, it has already passed by God. But you don't know that it has already passed. And because you don't know that it has already passed, you are offending. You are offending. You're offending. James chapter 3. He says, we offend, we error, we fall. Praise the Lord. In many things we offend. Begin from verse 1. He says, he says, my brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive a greater condemnation. Huh? Don't wish to be a master, knowing that you will receive a greater condemnation. Words, he's not saying it's wrong to seek mastery. He's only saying when you seek mastery, be ready to pay the price of precision to yield to the fullness of God. Grace is available for the price to be paid. Because known unto God are his works. You're in a slow 
time series of the earth. But all his works are already done. You know, he has already given you and he has already done in you. You're just manifesting presently in a slower atmosphere of what was already done eternally. And the next verse says, brethren, we offend in many things. Even if any man offend not in what? He says the same is a perfect man. Perfect man. He says, and that man is able also to breathe on the whole body. You're perfected. You're of perfect nature when you learn to speak the right way. But you preach and tell people there is a way you can't confess. And somebody after service still comes and says, pray for me, I am sick. And you're like, but we say it. None among them shall say, I am sick. No, you pray for me, I am sick. And then we... we... Then again we pray for them because we know they are babes. But how long are we going to continue to explain to you? Let me tell you, there is a point where you reach. Eh? There is a scripture... Psalms 34 verse 12. He says, what man is he that desireth life? Do you want life? Answer me, do you want life? Yes. And loveth many days. Do you want to live long? Yes. That he may see good. He's asking a question. And the next verse says, keep thy tongue from speaking negatively. Mortality and immortality are in your tongue. That's why it says, with the heart a man believes, and confession is made unto salvation. Those are the words of faith. That is the word of faith which we preach. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'm not speaking because I've seen. I'm speaking because I have the evidence of what I don't see it. Do you desire to have a good life? Do you desire to have many days and to see good, tame your tongue. The ministry of grace will teach you to tame your tongue. Because this is what the law says. You sin, you're under condemnation, isn't it? And when you're under condemnation, you're under a curse, isn't it? Isn't it? So it's stick and carrot. You do good, God blesses you. You do bad, God doesn't bless you. Then you do good again, then he blesses you. Then you don't do good, then God doesn't bless you. And God tells you, uh-uh, that's not how I deal with you. I don't deal with you based on performance. That's why Isaiah says, who shall believe our report? Because they refuse to believe it. They refuse to understand that God does not work with you based on what you do. He works with you based on what he has done. You foolish Galatians, who bewitched you? Who has been, because that is the highest form of witchcraft and it's happening on pulpits. Men bewitch others by teaching them the wrong doctrine. He says that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ has been evidently set crucified among you. He says, this only would I learn of you. Receive ye the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. The next verse says, are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? You're now being made perfect in the flesh. And the next verse says, have you suffered so many things in vain? If it be yet in vain. He says, he therefore, give me the amplified of that. Three, five. He, he says, then does he who supplies you with his marvelous Holy Spirit and works powerfully and miraculously among you, do so on the grounds of your doing what the Lord demands or because of your believing in 
and adhering and to and trusting in and relying on the message that you have heard. That is so clear in blueprint. Stephen was not killed for doing miracles. He was arrested for doing miracles. He was killed because he preached grace. Be it known unto you that through this man is preached. Paul says it in Acts 13. You understand what I'm saying? Stephen asks them, who of your forefathers did you not kill? You stiff-necked people. You know, they refuse to look anywhere else. When they choose to go the law, they want to do it the law way. When you try to tell them about grace, they think grace is telling people to sin. Grace is telling people not to do this. Grace is telling people not to do that. And you see, the beauty is, even though they are saying all these things, we are still producing fruit. Our kids are getting married. People are walking out of sin. People are getting born again. And they are still wondering, how come they are getting results, yet they are telling people to sin? <laughs> they don't get it. It's a revelation. We are all going to the same end, to walk in righteousness. But the difference is, for them, they are doing everything to become righteous. For us, we have believed that we are righteous, and therefore these things work through us. So because we believe that these things work through us and we have another way, some think that we are wrong. Even Paul says it somewhere in the message. Where he says, because we have put our trust in God. Some people have said to think that because we are not going the direction of the law, therefore we are wrong. No, no, we are not wrong because we are not doing it your way. You're doing a way that our forefathers have tried and it has even killed them. Read Acts 6 and 7. He says, let us not levy on these people those things that even our forefathers failed to do. Even in Galatians, he explains it. Our, we had everything right, but we still, they still failed. If your fathers failed to fulfill the law, you're not going to fulfill it even if you try. Now, there's another guy who has understood the law is fulfilled in Christ. For Christ is the end of the law. I don't understand. Keep listening. You will understand. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the end of the law. For righteousness to everyone that does good, that believeth. When you believe right, you start living right. For them, they are trying to live right to believe right. You get my point? For us, we are believing right. And because we believe, when we believe right, God will work through us. When you receive the right doctrine, God works through you. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. When you receive the wrong doctrine, you remember uh, Deuteronomy 29, I think, 29, he says, for the hidden things belong unto God, right? But the revealed things belong unto us, listen, and unto our children that we may do. Are you seeing the power to do? The power to do comes because of the revelation of those things. It doesn't come because of the ability to do. It doesn't come because of your goodness. It comes because you believe the right doctrine. When you receive the right revelation, you are certain you will do. Because God has not called you to do. He has called you to allow him to work through you to do.
For it is God which works in you both to do and to will according to his good pleasure. What they do, they separate themselves from God and they start doing for God to say, ah, you've done it alone without me. For us, what we're saying is, without you, we can't do anything. We allow him to do through us. And we produce fruit that remaineth. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout hallelujah again. In Romans 11, again, he says, even at this present time, there is also a remnant according to the election of grace. If by grace, then it is no more of works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it is no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. Verse 7 again repeats. What then? He says, Israel has not obtained that which he seeketh for, but the election has obtained it, and the rest were blinded. The election has obtained it. What is God trying to say? There's an Israelite under the law trying to do everything to obtain the blessing of God. And there's another man who has believed grace and that election has obtained the blessing for him before he even does anything. And the rest are blinded. They don't see that this is the way, the truth and the life. He is the son of God. He is grace. That's why the Bible says he was full of grace and truth. I don't know if I'm making sense. Now, there are people in this world who are seeking things that some of us, grace has given us already. How can we be like them? We will always be ahead of them because they're seeking for what we have. I don't know that I'm preaching to somebody. They are praying to God to ask him for what we already have. And they are blinded from the fact that they also have, but they don't know that they do because they've refused to believe the report. That's why Isaiah asked, who shall believe the report? This gospel was preached to Abraham. It was preached to Moses. It was preached to David. And all of them receive it. And when they obtain the gospel of grace, God revealed himself to them. Even in this present time, the Bible says, there is a remnant according to the election of grace. There are people in this world who God is going to use and work through, not because they've fasted like you have, but because they've received from him. Will they fast in this life? Yes, they'll fast. Will they pray in this life? Yes, they'll pray. But they're not going to fast and pray to receive from him. They're going to fast and pray because they just want to know him. That's the only thing they must know. The one true God and his only son, Jesus. Am I making sense? Now, there are many people in this world who have struggled with many things and I can tell you, you're as legal as to the degree of fail to get results. But me, I'm a, a grace believer. No. Your mind agrees. When you embrace grace in your spirit, you start producing results because you stop from your works. You cease from your works and God takes over. And when he takes over, he starts doing things through you. That's why I ask many times when I'm preaching, how many of you have sat under the gospel, the teaching, this teaching, and then you start to see certain things leave you without even praying against them? Just put up. Habits left you. Certain anger issues left you. You didn't even know how you left secular music. You just used to come and sit. 
in church. Some of you, you came, you, you didn't even know how to put up, you, you drank, you drank, you lit drunk, and, and some of the message got you out. But the gospel, the gospel got you out. You didn't apply self-improvement, no. You went as you were. And then you tell him, God, me without you, I can't do anything. If you don't come through this mess, God, you can't have a message through me. If you don't just come and sort me the way I am, I can't. I have tried. I have prayed. I have fasted, flipped back and forth. I've done everything, but things have refused. Now I'm choosing to simply receive from you. The next miracle in your life is not going to happen because you did the right things on Tuesday or Wednesday. The next miracle on your life is going to happen simply because you believed. With a heart, a man believes unto righteousness. And with confession, the Bible says, unto salvation. Because you believe in the spirit of righteousness, you speak. I am not right because I do the right things. I am right because it makes me right. Even in your weakness. God is not interested in you reciting facts. Oh God, I'm a sinner. He knows it before you even say it. He wants you to recite who you are in him. He wants to take you to a rock higher than you. When you're overwhelmed. He wants you to turn your eyes off yourself. And still say God, I am your righteousness. In Christ Jesus. You're greater in me than he that is in the world. I am more than a conqueror. I cannot be under sin. For sin shall not have dominion over me. For I am not under the law. But I am under grace. You're working in my life both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. What I did yesterday is not me. I am another person. And in a future it's going to be manifested. I believe I'm your righteousness. I believe that I walk a right life. I believe that I'm not perverse. I believe that I'm not a thief. When you start believing in your heart and confession is made unto salvation, that is the word of faith. Which we preach. There is Israel trying to seek and they are not finding. And he's being found by men which sought him not. Because he's trying to tell them, don't chase after me. I am chasing after you. I am the one who came in the flesh for you. You didn't come to heaven for my salvation. I came in the flesh, in the likeness of a servant. And I walked among men. I ate and drank their food. I shed my blood for you. He says, who shall believe our report? And to whom is the hand of the Lord revealed? He says, for he shall what? Grow up like a what? Like a tender shoot. The Bible says there is nothing that is what? He's desirable about him. He's a normal person. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. By whose stripes we were healed. He says we're like sheep, right? Without a shepherd. We're all going like lambs unto a slaughter. That, but he came through for you and I. That is why we don't confess negative on our lives. Regardless of what happens, stay confessing that you are the righteousness of God. That tongue of fire, he says, it sets hell ablaze. It carries the very fire of hell. When you say, I'm a sinner, you <laughs> continue. 
I'm a thief. Continue confessing a thief. You'll become a thief the more. Why? Because your word has power. Repentance is not when you tell God I'm a thief. Repentance is when you change your mind from stealing. Metanoia, the Greek word. The changing of the mind. That is why we have people in church who say, I'm sorry God. And they're sure they've forgiven them. And then they go back again because they realize that you just do things and then you... God says sorry, then God forgives you. Then again, you do things and then God forgives you. Then again, you do things and then now they've started enjoying that life where they can do because they know in the moment you say sorry, God can forgive you. That is easy. You do, God forgives. You do, God forgives. You do, God forgives. That is not repentance. Repentance is when your mind changes. God is not interested in what you're saying. God is interested in the action that follows after every man that believes. That's why he says bring forth fruit in accordance to your repentance. Even if you don't tell God, I'm sorry, but you never do it again, you're repentant. But if you should go in the presence of God to repent, speak who you are. Because every time you're telling the devil, I don't love it, I'm not it, and I'll never be it. You understand what I'm saying? The communication of your faith becomes effectual every time you acknowledge every good thing which is in you, which is in Christ. That's how faith will have effect in you. Some of you think your faith works every time you start confessing bad things. God, you're now a bad person. No. The communication of thy faith can only have effect when you start acknowledging every good thing which is in you, which is in Christ. Every time you wake up in the morning, start saying, I'm beautiful. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Greater is he which is in me than he that is in the world. When you sound grace, when you sound grace, you manifest the fire of the Spirit. What fell as cloven tongues of fire, what became as a sound, became a fire. It sat on men. And before we knew it, they started to speak the wondrous works of God. Not the sins of men. They spoke the wondrous works of God. And that day, the men had them speaking in their tongues. They came. That day, the Bible says, 3,000 men became born again. Because they had men speaking the wondrous works of God. It's a revelation. That's why he says some have been blinded from this thing. Many people are so opposed to the righteousness of faith. They are opposed to the righteousness which is of God. They are opposed to the word of faith. They think everything, they have to first see to believe it has worked. You don't need to first see to believe. You understand what I'm saying? Even if you're going through the worst situation, it doesn't define you. You can still look above it and say, this is what I am. This is not what I am. Some of you are losing sleep and appetite because you are thinking you're what you're not. God loves you. And he will perfect that which concerns you. Even that cheat demon you're dealing with, it will leave. You understand what I'm saying? Even that weakness and perversion you're dealing with, it will, it, there is no way it cannot. Why? Because he's in charge. Allow him to be in charge. But what of you, some of you do is, you tell God, ah, ah, you stay there, let me show you how I can do it without you. Then you start trying to do everything right. And God tells you, okay, by the law, no flesh shall be justified. And then you fail harder than you even failed last week. Do you know why many Christians have failed to understand why people in the world are blessed who don't know God? 
is because they don't know that even in those people, there are people who receive with grace. There are people who receive with grace. There are people who receive with grace. One time I was on a flight and I was listening to uh, some uh, audio documentaries and they were interviewing some worldly producer. Some of you have heard of a guy called Quincy Jones. He's behind, I think, some of the most successful ministers of the world. Eh? Michael Jackson, the moment he touched Michael Jackson's album, it became huge. And many other people. And then somebody asked him, what is this distinctive mark on your life that every musician you touch, somehow they become platinum? And Quincy Jones says, I have learned and I have taught all of them that everything in this world you receive, receive with grace. I was like, what? Receive with grace. Receive with grace. Receive your job with grace. Receive your marriage with grace. Receive ministry with grace. Understand that everything you're going to walk through this world is by grace. It's not of your works. Your next breakthrough is not because of what you did right. Your next breakthrough is because you believed the gospel and obeyed that gospel. Praise the Lord Jesus. How am I sure that you're going to make it? I am sure that you're going to make it because you believed that form of doctrine. I am not going to boast over anything in this life because I know how I got it. It wasn't my works. It was through grace. That is why the Bible says when a man understands grace, he cannot boast. You get my point? You cannot boast. Your boasting is in faith. You boast that you believed even when you are not qualified. That's where our boasting. He says, where is our boasting then? It is excluded by the law of works. Nay, he says, but by the law of faith. I can only boast in the fact that I believe. But I can't boast that I'm a hard worker. I cannot lie to you that I'm the best in the world. I can't boast and say that I'm doing these things because I'm, I'm this. Because I prayed for 20 days. No, I can tell you I boast in one thing that I believe. And it can only be of faith that it will be of grace. I can only have as much grace as much faith I believe. And I can only have as much faith I believe as much grace I receive. Receive your next job with grace. Receive your marriage with grace. Receive your ministry with grace. Everything in this world the Lord shall add to you. Always look back and understand it is grace. Even the patterns of the spirit which God will reveal to you to walk into. It is because his grace is available for you. If his grace was not available for you. Sometimes we teach people the patterns of the spirit. We tell people how to walk in the spirit. The dyings of the Lord. The testations of ministers. The ascertaining of things most true. The separation of the precious and the vile. The integrity of the spirit. The teaching of the Lord. The instruction of the things higher. And all of these things. So some people say, wow. How? It seems you took 20 years and then you prayed a lot. And then God revealed these things to you. And I tell them simply, brethren, eat is grace. I receive by grace. When I sit before that Bible, I don't sit before it 
looking at my degrees and how many uh, master's degrees I have. If indeed the Bible was human wisdom, then PhD holders would be the deepest teachers in the world. But the race is not to the swift, neither the battle to the strong. He says, brethren, for some of us which were called, not many of us were wise. Not many of us were up there by the worldly standards. But the Bible says, he chose the foolish things that he might shame the wise. You are here because you did not deserve. He did not come to for the righteous. He came to die for the unrighteous and the ungodly. He came for somebody who he knew that if it is not for me, that guy can't come up. If, if it was not for God, you would not be here. And that's the understanding of grace. But how be that some people boast about that and in a few minutes later they say, but even though God did it. Also, there is something you are supposed to do. What are you supposed to do that God hasn't done? He is the author and the finisher of your faith. He began that good work in you. He shall see to accomplishment in the day of Christ. The reason why even in ministry I don't struggle. I have received everything with grace. When I started my primary lines of ministry, I remember very well. I would wake up in the morning and fast the whole day and then do everything right and separate myself and pray for six hours and then I get on the pulpit and God doesn't even shake a hair. <laughs> then I go to God and I'm like, how come I've done everything right and you have not moved? And then there were those days I was too busy to do anything because I'm working, I'm, I'm busy, I'm all up and about and I stand on the altar and God moves. So at first I got confused. I said, God, are you telling me I shouldn't seek you anymore? Are you telling me that there's a problem in overseeking you? And then he came to me, no, no, no. He told me, even the more you will seek me. But I want you to understand that I don't move because you prayed for six hours. I don't want you to give me those six hours because they gave you a pulpit on Wednesday. I want you to give me those six hours because you love me. Are you hearing me? I no longer want you to give me those six hours to base them on any performance for you to become better. You are already given everything that pertains to life and godliness. I've given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. I've blessed you with every spiritual blessing in place in Christ Jesus. All I want for you to do is get to a point where you can simply separate yourself to me simply because you love me. Not because you're preaching on Thursday. And brethren, Many times on Thursday, I stay indoors. But I don't stay indoors for the sermon. I don't stay indoors because I am trying to prepare what to preach to you. I stay indoors because I simply... Sometimes, I just sit there with him and I tell him I'm here. I'm not going to say anything. I don't need to speak in tongues. I don't need to... I am here. I've switched off radio. Tell everything. I'm just here with you. Do everything. And then in a few minutes, the guy is there. He's tickling you. You're laughing alone. And you're like, let me not laugh loud. The, the neighbors will not understand me. <laughs> Why? Because that is called the love relationship with Almighty God. Somebody shout hallelujah. But how many people say, you know, on every crusade, I take around three hours to prepare myself. Prepare yourself for what? Be ready to preach the gospel in and out of season. Because you're an unctioned minister. The moment you stand on the altar, let me share something. When you learn to preach under unction, you realize one thing. The ability to minister to multitudes comes from the crown of glory upon your life. 
You get it? And the crown of glory upon your life comes because of that place where you have cultivated a certain relationship with God which is not based on seeking him to do anything in the ministry. I don't seek God because I have a crusade. I'm not fasting for the crusade. When I fast, I fast because I want to be with him. You get my point? When I get on that altar, the lame will walk, the blind will see, the deaf will hear. Why? Because that is how I relate with my God. Every moment I have with him for me is precious. Are you hearing me? When we tell people, pray for the crusade, pray. When we tell you pray for the crusade, don't pray that miracles happen. Uh-uh. When we tell you that, thank God for the miraculous. When we tell you that, pray that God will send laborers into his harvest. But don't worry about the results. No, no. We know how they come. Everything that I need has been given to me. I have heavenly backup. That is why when you understand that, you can demonstrate power any time. Because you're not subject to the three hours you spent praying. And you're going to enjoy a sweeter place of fellowship with God. That will give you a certain distinction in the spirit. God will make you different from many. He will make you different from many. He will make you different from many. You get my point? The glory on Moses could diminish. And the Bible says for us, we are beholding with open face. The veil is done away with Christ. Because we don't expect a day where I have to cover myself because I don't want people to see the glory diminishing. The glory upon my life will never diminish. Why? Because if the ministration of condemnation came with glory, how much more the ministration of the spirit which you and I have received. Somebody shout hallelujah. Can you always get time to be with God? Not because the day the landlord chases you out, then you say, now I'm going to go on the prayer mountain. I have no choice. You're fallen. Get to a point where you can be with God even when you have the most expensive house and just be with him. Don't even pretend that you're seeking him for the next meeting. It's not yours. It's his meeting. Isn't it? It is his meeting. It's his ministry. He will do whatever he has to do. Just be with him. Somebody say amen. Be with him. Be with him. That's the word of faith. Praise the Lord. Receive with grace. Raise your hands and just speak to God. Jesus, lover of my soul, all-consuming fire is in your head. Jesus, I want you to know I will follow you all of my days. Cause no one else in history is like.
Cause history itself belongs to you My God, Alpha and Omega You have loved me And I will share eternity with you it's all about you Jesus and all this is for you it's for your glory and your faith it's not about me as if you should do things my way you alone are God and I surrender oh, oh, oh. Oh, yeah. all about you. can you tell God somewhat tell God tonight I receive everything you've given me by grace I want you to raise your hands there's something coming just raise your hands in the heavens Just, just raise your hands in heaven. As if you just did my way. There are people here. Tonight you're entering a place of special things working in your life. Because you receive with grace. I see three kinds of people. The first kind, I see somebody receive the gift of faith. Right now in the name of Jesus. You're about to receive one of the heaviest anointings I've felt in a long time. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Receive it by grace and say, tonight I receive the gift of faith. And that takes me to the next point. Somebody's being ushered into the miraculous faculty like you've never imagined before. Power of the Holy Ghost! Receive with grace. Freely given, freely. Your finances are sorted in the name of Jesus. Receive it with grace. Your marriage is healing. There is somebody this week. Your marriage is healing. Receive it right now because the word has come. I remember the time Joshua. When men feared to conquer the lands. Joshua told them simply. We shall conquer because God said. Now as his word goes out and says you a success. Receive it with grace. Say I receive it. You're blessed going in, say I receive it. You're blessed going out, say I receive it. You're blessed in your family, say I receive it. You're blessed in your marriage, say I receive it. You will not struggle, say I receive it. With long life, he will satisfy you. You will see good things in the name of Jesus. Your paths are dropping with greatness. The lines are falling into pleasant places. Your deserts blossom in the name of Jesus. You build towers in deserts in the name of Jesus. You do the least expected things in the unexpected ways. 
You receive favor from even the uncommon places. The things that amount on you don't look like you. The things that are starting to happen in your life do not resemble you. They're not resembling your age. They're not resembling your education status. They're not resembling your skin color. They're not resembling your nationality. God is doing exceedingly, abundantly, above that which you hope or even dare to think according to the working power that worketh in you. Somebody shout hallelujah and give the Lord a mighty God of praise. Say, I receive it with grace. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you're here and you're not born again, if you want to give your life to Christ, I want you to come here. If you say tonight, I'm receiving Jesus. Tonight, I'm receiving Jesus. I want you to put up your hands and repeat these words after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that you are the true son of God who gave his life for me. Tonight, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. Tonight, I'm born again. In Jesus' name. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Venero, make manifest.